This is FS Uncovered, a podcast of M&M Service Company, serving our customers' needs by providing excellent products, services, and innovative solutions. I'm Krista Marquis, Marketing Assistant with M&M Service Company. Today I have with me Tony Haber, our Energy Marketing Manager, and Becky Hornblower, Growmark's Marketing and Business Development Manager of Lubricants. So Becky, welcome. Good morning. So you um, joined us uh, back in March, we talked some about lubricants. Yeah. Um, so today we would like to talk about antifreeze. But before we start, if you could just give us a brief background on how you started in ag and the Growmark system and your path to what you do today. Sure. So yes, as mentioned, I'm Becky Hornblower, Lubricants Marketing Manager for Growmark. And my roots are in agriculture. So I'm from a small town in Northwest Illinois, Cambridge, Illinois. And my dad and uncle have farmed their whole life, as do my cousins. And my brothers work at John Deere, but also help on the farm. So a lot of experience and still get to help and participate in the farm today. So from there, I worked part-time at one of our FS members in my hometown, Goldstar Fest. Worked there for two years, and then I studied marketing at Illinois State University in Bloomington. So that led to an internship at Growmark, and from there I stepped into a full-time job in the energy division. So I've worked in the energy division my whole career at Growmark since that internship in 2010. And then this role as the lubricants marketing manager, I started in December of 2016. So it's a little over four years in this role, and this is by far one of my favorite jobs I've had. A lot of moving pieces, challenges, but with challenges come opportunities. So that's that's good. It's an ever-evolving industry, especially with changing technologies driven by original equipment manufacturers, which I think we'll even talk about today. So that's me. Well, thank you. So, You're welcome. Um, as I mentioned, today we like to talk about antifreeze. So we are... We constantly talk about the value of premium oils and fuel. However, antifreeze seems to be forgotten about. Why is it just as important? (laughs) (laughs) Why is it just as important as the other products? Okay. And yeah, I didn't mean to jump in there, but it does. It gets forgotten. It's like the redheaded stepchild at times. However, it is extremely important. And I'll break this down a little bit. I'll talk about why your cooling system in an automobile or a piece of equipment is so important. Then I'll also talk specifically about the function and the role of an antifreeze coolant. And those terms are interchangeable. You'll hear people say coolant. You'll also hear antifreeze. It's the same thing, FYI. We typically market our product as antifreeze slash coolant or coolant slash antifreeze. So your cooling system in the vehicle you drive, whether it's a gasoline vehicle, gasoline engine, or a diesel engine, that cooling system controls the temperature of all metallic and non-metallic material. It also helps control the temperature of other fluids, like your engine oil, for an example. And in order to properly transfer heat, which is one of the primary jobs of the coolant, you need to also protect those components from things like corrosion, cavitation and scale, 
which I'm going to talk about, especially when we get into the components of antifreeze and coolants. And this is an interesting statistic. More than 40% of engine problems today originate in the cooling system. More than 40%. You can see how important it is to use the high-quality antifreeze coolant. So the actual role of the antifreeze and coolant is it does two things. In the winter months, you're lowering the freeze point. And then in the summer months, you're raising the boiling point. That freeze point, what that is, is it's a measure of when your fluid actually becomes a solid. And another interesting fun fact, a well-formulated coolant should protect down to negative 34 degrees Fahrenheit. And salespeople at M&M Service Company and throughout the FS system should have a refractometer. That piece of equipment will actually test the freeze point of your coolant, and in doing so, it's detecting the amount of ethylene glycol. And I'll, I'll break that down here next when we talk about different types. And then, again, from a cooling standpoint, the general function of the coolant is pretty simple. It's there to transfer heat from the engine. And this is done by removing heat from the engine components, circulate the heat then through the cooling system, and dissipate that heat through the radiator. Your engine has a thermostat that allows your cooling system to control the temperature of the system. And yes, this sounds simple, but the type of coolant technology and how well you're maintaining it is what's even more important to the function of the engine. So Becky, that is a lot of uh, good information. It uh, really, really hits home to where, like the question that Krista answered, if, 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 if a customer is going to value... Uh, high quality diesel fuel, high quality oil, they right. really need to, antifreeze is just as important as those other, uh, those other products. Now, exactly. there seems to be just in, in, in the marketplace, a lot of different types of antifreeze colors that, you know, are, are out there in, in the, in the competitive landscape. Uh, can you talk about uh, the different types and, and kind of what, what they do, what they don't do? For sure. So I'm going to step back to the basics because this will all build on one another. And what's important to understand are the primary components of your antifreeze coolant. And there's three, so that keeps it simple. Number one is water. And roughly 48 to 49% of your finished coolant formulation is water. Water is there to remove the excess heat from the engine, so it provides that heat transfer. Water is extremely important, and we in the FO system always recommend a pre-mixed solution that we've pre-mixed for you because we have a reverse osmosis system in place at our plant that removes any of the impurities that you could find in tap water. So we don't recommend you mix your concentrate or glycol inhibitors with just tap water. Minerals in tap water can lead to what we call scale in the engine, and that's actually trapping your heat in, which is not good. So water is very important, and again, almost makes up half of the formulation. And then you have ethylene glycol. And ethylene glycol also makes up anywhere between 48 to 49% of the formulation. And this would be similar for a gasoline coolant technology, and a diesel coolant technology. I'm going to focus a little more on diesel, though, 
that's our biggest bread and butter across our system. And there's some issues that can come about with diesel engines that I'll mention. The glycol then, the ethylene glycol, that's the base. It provides that freeze and boiling point protection, okay? So lowering the freeze point, raising the boiling point. And then finally, the third primary component would be your additives. So your inhibitors that help prevent foam, they help prevent corrosion, scale, cavitation. And I bring this up because, Tony, your question about different types of coolants, the way you differentiate them is with your additives. And they're there to protect the metallic and non-metallic components that you find in your cooling system. So keeping that in mind, in the industry, we tend to categorize coolants in three categories. You have your conventional, which a lot of us are known for, we refer to that category as green. And conventional coolants contain the highest total cost of ownership, anywhere up to 10 times more expensive when you look at your total cost of ownership. And that's because the service interval is so short and you're paying for excess maintenance. And I'm going to come back to what I mean by conventional, why your total cost of ownership is so high. That's also your cheapest coolant in the marketplace, and there's a reason why. <laughs> then you have like a mid-tier, which we call hybrid. You're going to get a little bit more of an extended service interval, but you're still going to have some moderate maintenance. And the hybrid really falls between conventional and then the top tier would be what we call extended life coolants or also known as OAT. OAT stands for Organic Acid Technology. Your extended life coolants have the longest service interval. They prevent against camp contamination and corrosion the best, and they're also preferred by most all OEMs today. The big difference between your conventional and your oat, conventional move, and I should say they coat your entire cooling system to protect against things like corrosion and cavitation. But by coating the entire cooling system, those additives are used up quickly. They deplete quickly, so you're constantly replenishing them with supplemental coolant additives, and that's where you're paying for that excess maintenance. Where an OAT coolant, what's really neat, is this technology moves to the trouble spots in your engine, therefore your additives last a lot longer. And that's where you have a much better total cost of ownership. So, like, in our lineup, our extended life OAC coolant, you can use for a million miles or 20,000 hours, and you're not having to add supplemental coolant additives, where our conventional type coolant, you need to be maintaining and testing them roughly every 12,000 to 25,000 miles, depending on which product you're using. So there's a lot more maintenance with that conventional type technology. Now, hang in there because I have a little more to talk about, and I'm going to expand on what can go wrong if you're using a poor quality coolant. And again, if you're using a conventional and not maintaining it, I'll point out really what can happen in that engine. But before I do that, a common question we get is, does color mean anything? And the short answer is no. Color is just a dye. It does not mean anything from a performance standpoint. And there are some similarities with how manufacturers dye their coolant technologies, but there's also differences that we've seen. It really comes back to the inhibitor and additive package that helps determine the quality level of that coolant. So I did want to mention that. And then 
some issues, again, if you're using a poor quality coolant compared to like an OAT higher quality product. In a diesel engine, you have a wet sleeve liner. And with your cylinder liner, you have your piston moving up and down, and it creates a lot of vibration. You can get air bubbles that can implode and start to pit the cylinder liner. So in these heavy-duty applications, if you don't have a coolant to help protect these air bubbles imploding, this pitting can actually lead to holes in your cylinder liner. You potentially could overheat that engine. You could get coolant that starts to mix with your oil. You're going to be overhauling that engine because it could be very detrimental long-term. So, again, your OAT-type coolant then is moving to those trouble spots to help protect cavitation from occurring. You can also get additive dropout with poor quality coolant, and that can be driven by, you know, the poor formulation, excess contamination, high heat. You can get deposit buildup, corrosion of your metal surfaces, and just overall degradation of the technology. So we can't stress enough how important it is to go quality and use a product like an extended life or an OAT-type coolant. Hopefully that answered your question in a long about answer. Absolutely. You, you, mentioned, you mentioned the part about the importance of, of water, and that's an element we don't, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody really looks, looks at enough to, to, just how, to just how important that is uh, when, when we're looking at that product. You know, same thing with, you know, making sure we're looking at that label and doing comparison on label versus label instead of just assuming uh, every color is, is, is the same across the board depending on uh, who the manufacturer is. Correct. And I will mention, too, that just a couple of other things I want to point out for when your customers are anyone in the industry is looking at coolants. I mentioned OAT. There's also products in the market that are NOAT, or they're called NOTE. And we have a NOTE in our lineup, too. It's still an organic acid technology coolant, the million-mile, 20,000-hour coolant, but it has nitrites in it. And our OEM, Caterpillar, uh, they really like nitrites. There's just history in regards to engines running hotter, and with the nitrites, you can test them more readily for depletion. So nitrite really is just additional wet sleeve liner protection in a nutshell. So I'll, I'll mention that. And then the other thing is with conventional type coolants, you will also hear about like a pre-charge type formulation. So in our lineup, our pre-charge is called fully formulated. So that technically is a conventional coolant, but we've added these supplemental coolant additives into that formulation. So you don't have to add those out the get-go. However, you do need to check and maintain them every 25,000 miles, as mentioned. So that's where you get that additional maintenance, because those additives are protecting that corrosion and cavitation, for an example, from occurring. And then a straight conventional coolant like Jack Frost and I line up, for a diesel engine, again, you would need to add SCAs, also known as supplemental coolant additives. So you can see just as you work through the lines and as you look at different price points, with those price points may come a lot more maintenance for you in order to protect your engine. Sure. And Interesting. That, it, it is, and it, it, it goes along with, you know, the, the looking at those products and, and along with high-quality diesel, high-quality oil, just as important to, to use a high-quality antifreeze. Exactly. When, when, we were, when we had a discussion back in March, 
you know, we, we talked about the OEMs on the on the lubricant side and, and just the changes in the marketplace and the changes coming yep. with, with all the different uh, blends, all the different synthetic blends. Do we do you see the next few years and now the same thing coming on antifreeze uh, j- just just like uh, on the lubricant side? Yes and no. And more so, yes, with trends in use of quality technology, which I'll get into in the second portion here. The very first portion will build on what we talked about in March. What continues to drive changes with lubricants, coolants, grease, any of them, has to do with regulations. So starting back in 1985, the EPA and the European Union, they started tiered regulations for diesel exhaust emissions, as you guys are probably all familiar with. And with each of these successive tiers of regulations, allowed levels of nitrogen oxides, also known as NOx, and particulate matter, these are two main pollutants from diesel engines, these requirements have gone down significantly. And where I'm going with this, then, is this has led to continued tightening emission requirements that have driven original equipment manufacturer innovations. So OEMs have had to adapt their designs to compensate for increased heat loads and specific to antifreeze and coolant, that coolant is having to deal with the increased heat. So we're seeing increased running temperatures of the coolant by raising the pressure limit on the radiator cap. And with these higher temperatures, coolants may oxidize the nitrate quicker and also lead to more maintenance. So honestly, it's better to use a higher quality coolant like an OAT or extended life coolant. Water pump sizes and speeds have increased to help with a faster coolant flow rate. We're also seeing more efficient heat exchangers with lighter, softer metals such as aluminum that can improve heat transfer. Uh, I've already mentioned faster flow rates, but what can happen with those faster flow rates is it can remove corrosion passivating films, and naturally these protective oxides from aluminum can be removed. And what can happen with a nitrite coolant is nitrite and aluminum can react and create ammonia, which can lead to corrosion. What we're seeing is an increased growth of OAT, just organic acid technology OAT. And in fact, 90% of OEM Class 8 vehicles today are filled with a heavy-duty nitrate-free OAT antifreeze. So we expect that type of technology to double as a percentage by 2023, so right around the corner here. And really that has to do with engines running hotter, lighter weight engines being produced with aluminum, and even as more fleets run, say, like a natural gas engine, again, those engines raise the engine temperatures anywhere up to 75 degrees. So you can see this trend of high heat. With the oil and with the coolant, you're going to want to use a higher quality product to help prevent all the issues that are associated with accelerated heat. Okay, thanks for all that great information, Becky. Lots of things to think about when determining what Coolant antifreeze works for your equipment. Uh, definitely sounds like you get what you pay for to me. You do. <laughs> Good summary right there. You get what you pay for. <laughs> yes. Um, I have one last question for you. So you mentioned earlier you were an intern and summer is quickly approaching. 
Uh, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's trying to establish a career or just looking to internship somewhere? Like what kind of advice would you give to them? So number one, I would just say constantly learn. Ask questions. The number one rule is there's no dumb questions. I've asked plenty of them, but I've learned by asking what I think are dumb questions. Read. Read, read, read as much as you can. Get into videos. I mean, gosh, when I was learning this industry, I spent a lot of time on YouTube just to understand an engine and a cooling system and how grease actually works and stuff like that. And I also can't stress enough just get out in the field to spend time with customers. I learned the most just hopping in the uh, cab with my dad in the combine because he will educate me more than I would ever even learn in regards to reading an article online. So I can't stress that enough either. Just get in the field with customers or others within the industry to see it, touch it, feel it firsthand. And I, I would just say push yourself. Find ways to get out of your comfort zone. Learn something new every day and just continue to build on what you learn. And have, have fun with it. I have someone I work with that I very much respect, and his advice to me is the day you're not having fun doing what you're doing is a day you need to find something new to do because life's just too short. That's great. So there you go. <laughs> that is uh, that's good advice that we can. It is. <laughs> we can all, all use a bit of that advice uh, from time uh-huh. to time. Becky, when we had you on, great. when we had you on a couple months ago. We ended up talking, and I think the conversations turned into uh, your admiration about peeps. Um, <laughs> it did. So, 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 so this this month, as we're talking, we're you know summer's finally here. Uh, yeah. Tell me what what's what's your what's an underrated and overrated thing about summer? Underrated and overrated. Overrated, in my opinion, is. Heat. <laughs> so, so now is it, is like, it heat or humidity? That's exactly what I was gonna ask. <laughs> oh, humidity is terrible. Humidity. You're right. Dry heat isn't that bad. I don't want to. I don't, don't want to. I don't want to make change your answer, but that, that was just kind of a follow a follow up <laughs> question to that. I was gonna say the older I've gotten, like I still fall is my my go to. Fall is my jam. But I I like summer. It's just you know those days of 80, 90 degree temperatures and the humidity, it's just hard to enjoy the outdoors. And I like to be outside. I, I, I think it's like, if I had a pool or a boat, I may, I may answer that a little different. So I guess you got to have access to the water or friend, friends with pools and boats. Friends, I was going to say, you always want to, you don't want to own a boat, but you want to have a friend with a boat. A friend that owns a boat, yep. And now that I live up by my family, my grandparents have a boat and my parents have a pond that we're in all the time. So I guess I can't complain in that regard. Perfect. And Good. then, yeah. So what was the other one? Under, under Un- Underrated summer? underrated part of summer. Underrated part of summer. I, well, the other people probably be on a boat. I, even though I'm a ginger, so I have red hair. <laughs> I, I do like the sun, so I don't mind laying out the sun. It just feels good. And some people are like, oh, my gosh, it's so hot. It's so uncomfortable. I don't know. It's relaxing for me, especially if you have a cold beverage and a book and some music. <laughs> but, again, 
You need you need a pool or a fan or something to stay cool. You need access to water is what you're saying. <laughs> you need access to water. Yeah. But I know that's not super you should wear you should wear sunscreen and have, you know, good SPF and a hat and all that good stuff. But a little vitamin D for the skin's always good. There's the And I I also I'm I'm a runner and I mean I don't mind running when it's hot. Some people think I'm nuts. They're like, Are you really out here running right now? But the key is you know, early morning or lightweight clothing, lots of water, or you can go later in the night, but I'm more of a morning runner, not a night runner. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The yeah. Night running, that's, that just feels off. Uh, but yeah, you, but you'd rather, you'd rather be run in the summer as opposed to the dead of winter? Ah, that's a good question. So, again, as I've gotten older, which I'm, I mean, I'm really not that old. I can't say I'm old, but as I have gotten older, I've, I've learned to like running in the winter more and more, as long as you dress for it. But a you know ten degree day, I would choose not to run versus a hot summer day. So I would prefer a summer day, getting out and hitting the pavement. <laughs> well, I was just saying. So, so Becky, you you like you don't like the heat, but you like the sun. Is that what you're summarizing? <laughs> Summarize. I know, right? I'm kind of talked in circles there. But, yeah, I mean, I, I like the sun. I like having a nice little healthy natural sun tan. It's just, it feels good for me. But laying out if it's super, super humid, you got to have access to the water. So I guess the water is key. <laughs> I'd have to agree there. It is nice. The parents have a pool and go over there when I want. Don't have to worry about nice. maintaining it or any of that stuff. So Very nice. And then the summer drinks, those are always nice. There's something Ooh, about yeah, I should have mentioned that. A drink in the for summer sure. is a lot different than that same drink in the winter. For <laughs> very valid point. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, I think the other thing that's so nice about summer, too, is this is kind of a laid-back time because people tend to have vacations or take a little more time off to enjoy the weather, and that's that's nice. Definitely. To be able to do that here and there. Yeah. Yeah, for us, you know, that's kind of in between in between busy seasons. You know, uh, there's, right. there's still a lot that goes on in the summer. But, yeah, it's it's more of a, a winding down time compared to coming out of a typically busy spring and before we ramp back up in the fall. Yeah, get a, chance for, get a chance for people to, to get away and get some time off and have a little fun. And hopefully this Next summer <laughs> everyone, can, everyone can go to – Bears and get funnel cakes and taffy and all that fun stuff too. Have a proper summer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ride the Ferris wheel and stuff. <laughs> well, Becky, thank you very much for taking time to visit with us today um, about Anna. You are welcome. Well, this has been FS Uncovered, the podcast of Eminem Service Company. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Podbean or your supported podcast app.